Call her how it is, no. Hit it. Promise you, swear, swear. Yeah. Spit it. Yo. Percocet. Miley Percocet. Percocet. Miley Percocet. Rep the set. Gotta rep the set. Chase a chick. Never chase a bitch. Mask on. Fuck it, mask on. Mask on. Fuck it, mask on. Percocet. Miley Percocet. Chase a chick. Never chase a bitch. Two cups. Toast up with the game. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thank you for joining us on another episode of An Earful in the Emerald City. Thank you guys for being here. We appreciate it. This episode number 93 here. 93, thanks you, thank you guys for tuning in with us. And thank you for being a little patient with us, guys. You know, We took a couple weeks off, a little bit of a hiatus there. Kind of got to clear my head. Uh, had some bachelor shenanigans that had to be planned and taken care of and whatnot. And you know, this the whole Las Vegas thing kind of threw me for a loop too. I didn't really know what to make of it. Still, still don't to be honest. Uh, seems like we got a lot more questions at this point than there are answers. So that's uh, pretty concerning. But uh, yeah, we just took a couple weeks off and uh, we're back at it though, guys. And we appreciate you guys. Like I said, showing a little patience uh, helps us out. You know, we do our best, but y- you miss a week every once in a while. It happens, you guys. But as a consolation prize to you guys, uh, I got a bonus podcast for the week planned. Uh, Going to release that one later this week. So uh, be looking out for that, you guys. So there's a little uh, consolation prize for you guys. You know, that's your participation uh, ribbon, you guys. So way to go. But uh, got a good one today. Very frequent guest, favorite guest of mine, really funny guy, always gets me for a couple good laughs. Uh, I think he's going to get you guys for a couple, too, on this one. Um, Blake Kiltoff joining the show today, you guys. Blake Kiltoff, my good buddy. Hope you guys enjoy my chat with him. Thanks, guys. So you got to understand who your friends are. This is what we were talking about. We're talking about whether or not we're actually friends. Uh, And I was saying that we're not because I come over to hang out and do your podcast. And that's kind of a utilitarian type of friendship. Aristotle defined several levels of friendship in the Nicomachean ethics. There's like, I think, three or four. And the highest level of friendship is the one that like most people want to have a whole bunch of but they probably maybe have a couple it's the people who love you and who you love and who you're concerned about their welfare out of concern about their welfare it's just highest level of friendship just someone you love more than you love yourself very rare i have two of those Eh, three um and then, the, and then the pleasure friendship, that's like level three or two. I, I can't remember the numbers. Um, the lowest level of friendship is like the merchant relationship. You're friends with a merchant, like Anna at Fred Meyer, right? You read her name tag. You were nice to her. That's a form of friendship. 
Um, basically, the whole point of reading someone's name tag is to establish a cordiality with them that is friendship. Mm-hmm. In, in a, it's to make them feel like your buddies. Yeah. Uh, and why do you do that? Well, uh, social lubricant because it will help with economic transactions. Aristotle talks about negotiating prices on things. It, there, there's reasons to do it. I, I, I don't know the specifics. Maybe you like fat blonde girls. But... That's the lowest level of friendship. And then one above that is like the friendship of pleasure. Uh, so I guess there's three levels. There's there's the merchant relationship. And then there's the friendship of pleasure where like you hang out with people because you enjoy their company. They give you something. So a merchant you have a, an economic relationship with. Friendships with pleasure you have a, a pleasure relationship with. They amuse you. They make you feel good about yourself. But the highest level of friendship is the rare one. That's the one where, like, you're really invested in their well-being. You care about them. That's that's what I was talking about. Is uh, you you have to know who your friends really are. So when I say we're not really friends, what I mean is like we're not at that third level of friendship. Yeah, like yeah. I come here because I enjoy doing your podcast and I expect to get a little bit something out of it. Like your podcasts are good. Mm-hmm. Maybe Aaron will get like a big audience. Some asshole will be like going through his backlogs and be like, who's this guy Blake who did all these episodes early on? Like that all goes on in my reptilian brain, like yeah. low down. It's like there's all this strategic thinking about my well-being mm-hmm. invested in how I think about you. I really don't, like have like a high level of friendship with you. If you called me up next week and like, hey Blake, I blew all my money on drugs. I really need a place to crash. I would really think about it. I'd be like, ah, I don't know Aaron very well. I don't know if I want him here. I mean, I got my kids. I got my. <laughs> hey Aaron, no, I can't. I'm actually gonna be out of town for like that's. I I can I can imagine that whole scenario. Whereas if Mark or Eric, my buddies from college, who I have that highest level of friendship with, and I haven't spoken to them in years, but if they called me, if Eric called me, he's like, hey, Gwen left me. I'm a real mess. I would like. I would be like, yeah, come stay with me. I'll take you to alcohol rehab, and we'll we'll get you straightened out. I know I can. You can just live with me until you got straightened. Like that's, you know, those are two different things. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I like that. Um, I I personally would say that it's probably one more category. I think I think there's probably one in between the pleasure person and the person that you know you're invested in their well-being i'd say there's somebody in the middle who is a person that you're definitely you're friends with you respect that person you enjoy their company you like them if they did something though where they needed your help and they put you in an awkward situation or a situation that you just didn't want to be in then you would do what's in your own best interest. And that's kind of what I feel like keeps them from that upper level. You know, I mean, you still like them. You're again, you get that pleasure that you get from the lower person. Like there's people that I see them at a party and yeah, I'm not going to call them up. I'm not going to be like, Hey, let's go get beers or, you know, it's just check in. Hey, how's the family doing? But I see them at a party and I'm like, I got to talk to that guy. I fucking like that. That guy's awesome, dude. He's fun. He's, he's always got cool shit to say. He's fun to be around. He's really likable. Like you have those people and you know, there's those people. So whenever you see him, you're excited. You're just not going to go out of your way to make those interactions with him. So, but, uh, I definitely agree with you. And like I say, I just said, I'd added, added the one level, but you're right. That top, that top tier, that upper level, like it takes a lot of energy 
and a lot of effort and a lot of resources to maintain those relationships. Therefore, you can only have a handful of those. You know, they're not. And it's interesting to me that you say that you have people that you haven't even talked to for a while, but they're still on that upper level with you. Well, yeah, once someone works their way into that level of love, uh, it's easy to keep it. Like I, unless something dramatically changes, that there's, it happens all the time in movies, right? It's like someone comes back from out of town after a long time and someone's like really thrilled to see them. They went separate ways. Oh my God. It's so great to see you. But then two different lives, but then they discover how much they've changed. And the whole story is the drama of them, like discovering that they actually don't they're not the same people anymore and they can't mean. So when I say that, like, you know, if Eric or Mark called me, it was like, I don't know. I haven't talked to Mark in two years. I I haven't talked to Eric in a year. And it's like, eh, you know, it's nice to, in my imagination, think about that. (laughs) But the reality is probably different. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're not the first person to disagree with Aristotle on anything. Uh, I, I do want to emphasize that these are not my ideas. This is just shit I read in Aristotle, and it yeah. made sense to me. And I also don't think that there really is much difference between the friendship of pleasure and the friendship that you're describing. Mm-hmm. Someone whom you enjoy, uh, but who you would cut adrift if it impacted you personally. Yeah. The guy at the party who's like fun, you know, oh, I definitely want to talk to that guy. Yeah. But if it's like, hey, man, can you help me score some Coke? And it's like, ah, okay, never mind. I'm done. <laughs> Not talking to you anymore. Yeah. The, the two are probably closer than I uh, originally had but again, considered. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm defending Aristotle. Yeah. Um, he has a big track record of being wrong about shit. <laughs> Unlike most white men hey, from know, history. It gets, it gets the best of us sometimes, but yeah, I don't know. Friendship, friendship's a weird thing, man. It's a weird thing. I have trouble. You were talking, you know, these guys, you've known them for a long time. So you guys go way back. That certainly means something. That certainly uh, counts for something. I have friends from way back who I try to maintain the relationship and I feel like they're just kind of. They're not against it necessarily, but they just have their own stuff going on and they're not really willing to invest all that much into it, you know, as far as their free time, their energy, their resources. And it just, it puts me in a weird position, you know, because I, I would like to think like you, I'm like, dude, I've known this guy since we were in second grade. But at the same time, if somebody's not willing to meet you somewhere, you know, then, I mean, what are you supposed to do? kill him <laughs> murder that motherfucker well don't don't use that word that makes it that makes it premeditated mm. yeah i don't know friendship is a weird thing but you're you're definitely right though that upper level that's that's a it's rare that's a maybe a handful of people maybe there's that's, members of my family i don't even put them in there it's hard with comedy i you know my social circles are almost all comedians and I've been doing comedy in the Seattle area since 2008. And I've made so many friends who just disappeared from my world because they quit comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't they didn't probably change much about their lives, except they're like, I'm going to stop going to those open mics. 
Yeah. Which is like two nights of their week, right? But for me, it's like five nights a week. I'm going to comedy stuff. I'm, I'm going, thinking about comedy. I'm talking to people on Facebook who are all comedians. And it's like, you know, if someone quits, they quit. And it's just like, I, I, I made a friend with a guy in Everett who was like really gung-ho about comedy for about three months. And I broke my rule. My rule is I don't make friends with new guys. But like, he seemed really sincere, really cool. And he was kind of funny. So I was like, all right, you know. But now I don't talk to him. And it's like, oh, fuck. I guess I should hang out with him outside of comedy. Yeah. Because I liked him. But then it's like, well, no, I shouldn't because I have a focus. I have a thing I'm focused on. And he doesn't want to do that. And uh, it's not like we were best friends in the whole wide universe like Ethan and Mark and, and Eric. No, this is just some yeah. other guy who was almost a friend. But almost not quite. And it's just taxing. It's, you, you go through those sorts of friendships starting and then they just disappear over and over again. And you just become very jaded about yeah. meeting new people at comedy clubs. When you question, like, did you do something wrong potentially? You know, did you let something slip away there? But I think one of the most impactful quotes that ha- I've ever heard in my life, this is going to sound kind of corny, but I think one of the most impactful I've ever heard is that. People are seasons in your life. So, like, my dad is winter, and my yeah. mom is your dad. Your dad and your mom winter. Your dad and your mom are more like global warming. You know, they're <laughs> always an issue. <laughs> <laughs> no, they said people in your life are like seasons, and you know, I thought about that, and I'm like, man, that is really true. You know, because I like I was just telling you with the young people that you know forever, that you've known for decades. I look back, and it's like. We had some great times before, you know, the times were perfect. The times were great. It couldn't have been any better. And then there's other times where there's nothing. Do you have nothing at all? And, and who knows? It could come back again. There could be another great period in the future that we still haven't seen, but, and you have relationships with people, like I said, over decades and you can't expect to maintain a solid, a constant, a meaningful relationship with that person over like a 30 or 40 year period. Like you can't assume that when it comes to being friends with people. It's just, it's asking a little bit too much, but it's kind of interesting how people don't uh, look at it in that regard. You know, they're kind of, like, oh, you know, people get pissed off when sometimes it's just the flow of things. Not to change the topic too much, but do you watch Game of Thrones? Um, or read the books? I definitely don't read the books. You know Fuck the, you for even assuming that. Um, no, I, I can't. I can't do the made ups, man. I can't do the really? made ups. Yeah. What, okay. Do you know like the phrase "winter is coming"? That's kind of like the. Uh, that's like the pitch, the slogan, you know, for get ready for some crazy shit. Yeah, from the one of the main characters in the in the series. It's that's mm-hmm. their house slogan. Yeah. I hooked up, I um I matched with this girl on Tinder and I that was my pickup line to her it was like do a lot of people ever say to you like winter is coming her name was autumn sorry <laughs> I forgot the premise forgot the premise don't leave that part out yeah, left that part out so her name was autumn so I was like do a lot of people ever say to you like winter is coming but what about autumn and um, I never heard back from her oh man still makes me sad. I might have gone with like when autumn is so nice though. Why worry about winter? Something along those lines. But I feel you know, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure every single guy who ever matched with her who didn't immediately start with like, "Hey, baby, want some fuck?" 
probably made a made a dumb pun on her name and the season autumn. So I really should have reconsidered that. But this is what I do: is I go on Tinder and I I get a little drunk or high, and and then I uh, that's when I get my courage up. That's when I get my gumption up and write it. Because I'll spend a long time agonizing over an icebreaker or how yeah. to like start a conversation. Mm-hmm. But wait, I'm a little. Sometimes I just get a little fucked up, and then I just start off with some pretty lame ass jokes. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had discussed this earlier. That's the crazy thing about the internet is the communication is so rapid. It's everywhere. It's always that sometimes you can catch people in very candid moments because they get so caught up in that moment that they're like, I have to say this and I have to say it right now, you know, and that's another part of the the internet that is fucking crazy. Like if you're going to get your quill and your pen out to write up something, you're gonna make sure that's well calculated. You make sure it's well thought out. And you're definitely not going to be five trulys deep when you're doing it. All right, you're you're gonna think that shit out. Is that what I'm drinking? Trulys? <laughs> Don't tell them that, dude. Come on, spikes and sparkling. Yeah, Trulies. that's the that's the that that's the instantness of it, though. And and yeah, it just catches right there. And sometimes, yeah, you see that hot chick, and you're like, dude, I, I gotta go for this right now. I might if oh if I don't God. go now, I might miss my opportunity. Uh, I did that last night. She didn't say anything. Now I've been debating all day, like what to follow up with. Like, okay, second message. What do you do? Because here's the thing about online dating is that like when a girl's out there and you send her a message and she doesn't reply, you can't just assume that she like didn't like it. If she's not logged in, she probably got like ten other messages. Until she lost, so like your message might just be pushed down low in the stack. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta be a little more. Persistent. You're deep in the queue until she says no. I, I just to be clear, it's like if if girl says like I'm not interested, or she talks to you, and it's like eh, pfft, then fine. But yeah. but with online dating where you're sending messages, it's kind of like just sending a postcard. You don't know if she's even seeing it. Uh, she might be. Uh, you you do know she's getting a lot of mail. <sighs> I mean, if you especially if, if she's hot, well, what do you think I'm dating? Like, what do you think? <laughs> I'm not swiping left on everybody. I'm not <laughs> right. I'm not Some swiping. of them aren't qualified. <laughs> right, I'm sorry to do this. I got to pee again. Oh, oh Jesus! I know. Yeah, see, that's one of the issues with online dating is with the girls. Like, again, especially if they're good looking, but but even even the sixes, even the sixes are just getting inundated with offers with for dick just getting inundated with them like it's hard to stand out you you again if you like you said if you're in the bottom of the queue you don't even know if she's gonna see you she might just get bored of it after three or four and like actually reading them in depth and like giving them a legitimate shot she might just be bored with it after that and just be done and never even get to you and you might have had the most witty thing to say that you've ever come up with yeah i've actually kind of relaxed about it i used to um I used to worry a lot about like the icebreaker and stuff, but I just realized that, oh, Tinder really is like being at a bar and making eyes at somebody and they make eyes at you and you just go over and talk to them. That doesn't mean anything. That's what a Tinder match is. Like you match with somebody. Okay. You've gone over to talk to them and maybe you don't have anything to say to each other. Like, so it's like, yeah, okay. Maybe you're batting one out of 20 like me. And it's like, ah, that's okay. That's, that's really kind of a virtualized version of what real life interaction is like. So I've really relaxed about like my opener. Basically I just use their name in my opener with an exclamation point because it seems they, 
gets a positive response. Basically, it means I'm not a robot. Hey, Michelle. Yeah, Michelle. <laughs> and then I just say something witty based off of what I can find in their profile. And if they don't have anything in their profile, I just say something completely random. Like, hey, like last night I, I broke the ice with a couple girls. Like, hey, I'm an open mic and I'm really fucking bored. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just. And then, yeah. Do you think that the women, when you message them, do you think they take into consideration the time that the message arrives at all? Well, it depends on whether or not they're even on Tinder, right? So it's there is a bit of uh, st- strategy involved. Like if it's in the middle of the day at work and I, and I get a Tinder notification that I've matched with somebody, I won't, I won't send them a message. Because in my mind, in their mind, a guy who responds to a Tinder notification at noon <laughs> during the workday... Hey Sonia, wow, how's your day going? Like that's that's no, that's definitely not. a beta. <laughs> definitely don't want her to know that I'm aware of her existence at that moment. Yes, it's got to be like late night. Like oh oh, I just accidentally checked my phone here right before I went to bed. Well, actually, late oh, night, I saw your message. Late, late night is also bad. Uh, if you, in my mind. In their mind, if I'm sending messages at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock after an open mic or something, it's like, hey, Sonia, I just got done doing the shit I like doing and I'm looking for something else to do. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, it's also not a good image to project. I think five o'clock is, is a good time. I got that tip from online. It's like, that's a good time to message because that's when girls are getting off work thinking about trying to line up a date. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm getting off work trying to think about lining up a date. Yeah, but you're never going to line it up for the day of. It's always got to be a couple days down the line, I feel like. Um, yeah, it usually is. Yeah. Uh, I think f- I think you're right, though. I think five to eight is probably your best window for responding. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's like, okay, you're finally free. You finally have some time to chill out, relax. It's not creepy to be on Tinder after work just hanging out by myself. I was doing my laundry. Yeah, <laughs> I got what I needed to get done. I ate some dinner. Now I'm just chilling and... Hoping to maybe find something to satisfy this boner I have right now. So, so as far as like when the message goes, if 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 I'm swiping and I match with somebody, my temptation is like if I'm swiping and and as I swipe, I get a notification like you've matched with this person. I believe I should send a message right away because in my mind, girls like it if after you make eyes at them at the bar, if you come over and talk to them. Yeah. Well, of course, they don't want to have to take the lead. <laughs> right. So so basically, in the virtual world, the the act of sending the message is is being the... It, the longer you wait, the more timid you seem. Now, the inverse is, if they match with me, like, so if I'm just at work and I get a notification on my phone that someone has matched with you and I open up and I look at it, I'll take my time to respond. Because basically, in their from their perspective, I'm just not looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. And that makes me, yeah, I, I guess that, I, I kind of take a supply and demand view to this. Of like, uh, oh, I'm more in demand. So I'm, I'm just a busy professional. I'm not yeah. looking at my phone. I'm not looking at Tinder while I'm at work. I mean, I, I agree. It does make you look timid if you wait too long. But at the same time, if you go too early, makes you look urgent slash desperate and i would argue that's probably a worse look that's true i would say in most situations but tinder is by reputation the hookup app 
right? It's the place where people go to, out of desperation, find sex with somebody. But do girls that are using it, do they think that that's what they're going for actively as they're using it? Or are they thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to talk to some guys and I'm just going to kind of see what's out there, you know? I just want really to flirt a little bit. It depends. I mean, women are as interested in sex as men are. Um, and it's a... It varies by by person, uh, men and women, um, but there are certainly women who are on Tinder, just like there are women on OkCupid and women at bars who are just horny. Now, the difference generally, and I'm emphasizing that word generally, <laughs> between women and men is that men can and will just mention that they're horny. And that they just want to have sex. And that, generally speaking, in my limited experience, women tend to uh, need to to be seduced. And that, that sounds bad because it makes it sound like they're passive in it. Uh, and I, I don't like how I'm phrasing that. Um, they're not passive. They're trying to spin a web you know, and get you caught in it. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 man, the Tinder had this blowout in 2010. Like it came on the scene. It was like, yeah, you just go on this app and you get hooked up. It was like, basically it was really popular because a lot of horny inexperienced people in college were able to use it to all just like, fuck fuck each other. And the rest of us were like hearing about it for a long time. I was like, what? How come I missed out on that? That sounds really cool. And I think they've just been riding that wave for a long time of like that initial year or two of like really good PR from a yeah. lot of people just getting laid from yeah. casual encounters. But now it's become this thing where it's some people who are just kind of doing casual encounters, very small group. And a lot of people who are just like, I just want to go out with somebody and like go on a date and like, you know, get laid, which is a far cry from hookup culture. Like hookup culture is all like, Hey baby, want some fuck? And like, yeah, you, you, was my name in a pun that's great i'm gonna let you use my dorm number come over here have <laughs> sex with me like that's that's what hookup culture means to me is like uh you know hey your name's michelle well you like a, a crab that just got evicted oh michelle huh I, can i come over and, and have sex with you yeah that was funny come on over and have sex with me that's great that's hookup culture Tinder has become more of a platform of like, I want to go on a date and, and if I like the guy, then we can have sex. And from a guy's perspective, it was like, ah, I'm willing to go on a date, <laughs> but I'm not really ready for a relationship. A That's it. That will bone. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it probably was a little different at the beginning, to be honest. It probably kind of changed a little bit at some point, but I, I made this argument. I had to, I had this argument with a girl and tell me what you think. We were talking about dating apps. She was right. I'm just going to start with that. Thank you. That's a good premise. Um, We were talking about dating apps, and I just basically made the point that we were actually, I told this story on the podcast before, but we were at a, I was at a Mariners game, and this girl, we were all hanging out, you know, drinking beers, hanging out with friends. It was a birthday party. And one of these girls is on her phone, and she's, she's actively bumbling while we're at the Mariners game. Oh, I love Bumble. She's boom, just she's she's nailing it, swiping them. And I'm just like I I just talked to him like, you know, this internet dating, I just don't understand it, I don't get it. And I was like, I think it's really it just seems like it's really meaningless. You know, it's just meaningless interactions, nothing solid, nothing that actually counts for anything, nothing that 
you know, you want to spend your life, the rest of your life doing. And she goes, she goes, well, no, I've had, I've had a couple, I found a couple of good guys uh, from it. You know, I've had a, I've had actually, you know, a couple of different relationships that have come out of it. So no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I think of that argument and I just think, whose case are you trying to make? Are you trying to make my case or are you trying to make yours? You've had a couple of good relationships. You're, you're single right now. So these couple of relationships that you had, clearly all of them didn't work out. And what you don't realize is now you've lost some market value because of these relationships. And wait, what you just, you just what think you that she this lost market actually value? worth something. What do you mean? She lost market value. Women lose value. The more people they sleep with. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. <laughs> it, there's, there's, <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. There's just <laughs> laughing at there's you. statistics that have proved, man, the more there's statistics to prove, it. <laughs> the more promiscuous a woman has been before she gets the marriage, the, the more likely that her marriage isn't going to work out. Uh, Okay. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's concrete and all the evidence is in, but I've seen studies that have proven this right. And I, I think it is. I, I don't, it's like an analogy. You know, people always say, I, I honestly would prefer a girl who's had a lot of sex uh, with random people, not random, not well, random. What are they to That's you? They're not weird. They're not your friends. I mean, what are they to you? Just people who have helped her uh, explore her sexuality more and so that she knows what the fuck she wants a dude at the bar who she got she got wasted one night and just was looking for some dick like you said no no that's not a random person i don't want to have a sexual relationship with somebody who uh i don't know is a safe partner Mm -hmm. um but if they've had multiple partners though you don't know what kind of situations those were. You, it clearly wasn't long-term loving relationships if you had 25 partners. They clearly weren't those meaningful relationships. Well, I don't know that. She might have been in a lot of really deep relationships with cops she, over, like, and every cop got killed. And it was like really, like, <laughs> it, a, was like it was like a, four a na- three month cycle yeah, of like, just <laughs> tragedy and circumstance over and over again. Like, just a line of cops and their partners. It's like, <laughs> all right, this keep Wiggly, I got you a new partner. Uh, you're going to go, you're going to go. I on just tour. don't think I can Listen, love again. Every time I get a new partner, you guys, I, you guys, when I, I don't think partner, if I, I can open up my heart again. <laughs> to love i just can't do it i like how we're doing completely it's different been characters 17 in the times story. you're doing the girl and i'm doing the sergeant <laughs> listen when you guys before you guys go out i want you to have a little dinner party you gotta get to know each other's spouses i don't uh, know he seems kind of weird no, Sarge, I just, i'm single i don't again, i don't have a spouse well you just you know, go over to I their just, house all right they just got married i They're just like doing couple. my own thing okay i just like i'm independent Wrigley, you're a loose cannon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you down with a partner who I know is gonna be a steady Eddie for you. All right, Ryan, he just got married. His girl, she actually was married to another guy on the force, and another guy on the force before that. <laughs> and, and I don't remember who before that. But anyway, you're gonna go have a dinner party with them, and if you guys get along, you'd be partners. Was she ever brought up on charges? <laughs> Some thirty-five-year-old. That's girl the only who's way it could happen. Twenty-five cop husbands. That's the only <laughs> way it could happen. <laughs> no, and no, and no. again, you know that a handful of those there's are infinite universes. She regrets infinite universes with infinite possibilities. And fuck you if you don't think it's possible. All right, 
because there's 8 billion people on this planet. I guarantee you there is some poor woman somewhere. She's probably in Malaysia, mm-hmm. but somewhere that you just never even thought existed. They, or they don't even have police there, do they? But there's probably one who really has like married six cops in a row <laughs> and they've just died. Like 25, yeah, it's a little ridiculous. But that's, that's just because of human biology. Like we don't Damn, live that long. Blake. But there, I bet the there fuck? is some poor lady in Mexico City who's like had six husbands in a row. Like she just met, she married one out of high school and then he got killed like a year in and she married his partner and he got killed a year in. And she's like, I'm not doing that again. So she married some guy from the bomb squad, and, but he got killed. Yeah. <laughs> some nice little lady from Honduras, you know, where the MS 13 is taken over. I don't know why I immediately assume it would have to be a third world country. And I also don't know why I immediately uh, went with third world country right after well, yeah, about they Mexico. Don't even, I don't they don't even have that many cops. Is Mexico a third world country? Yes, it is. Uh, right next door to us. All right, good. I feel a little less racist yeah. based on that technique. They're, I mean, as far as third, third world goes, they're like top tier third world, you know? But uh, still, third, still third world. Hmm. Listen, to go back to the promiscuity... Promiscuity. I almost, yeah, I almost messed that up. If I had my choice, I want my wife, potential wife, sorry, I shouldn't have said it, to have slept with two other people. I want her to slip with the one awkward person who she lost her virginity to that was weird and that obviously didn't know what the hell they were doing. And then I want her to have one other relationship that was like a year and a half, two years long where it didn't work out. If I have my choice, obviously yeah. nobody gets a choice. Guess, I guess I guess I'm colored by experience because you know I, I had a wife, and it bothered me that she had like dated a guy who was a lot older, um, but he got her in the anal. So it's like <laughs> I, I know that sounds like a joke, but it's true. It's like I and I've dated other women who are you know a little older than me, a couple years older than me. Mm-hmm. Who, so I'm 33, and like I've dated like a 35 year old nurse, and like. the sex oh my god like she knew what she wanted and she hated me she's like how many people have you had sex with i was like six seven she's like oh my god you've got to up those numbers son like she was called me son Son. (laughs) she called you son you didn't embellish on that one Uh, she was like yeah you got up those numbers son you got some shit to learn i was like "Mm." but that's my point is like you know you're gonna have sex if you're talking about wife someone you have sex with for the rest of your life Fuck yeah, a girl who's like figured out what she likes, which if if that meant she had to date a lot of people to have a lot of partners, I'm not saying that I want a person to have had sex with a hundred people. That's not a desirable factor. I'm saying that it's not an undesirable factor. If I know that they're clean, that they haven't got contracted an STD that they can give me, then I don't really care about their sexual history unless it's going to make me look bad. In comparison, like I kind of regret the date with that, that the dating that that lady who was like, oh, son, because it's like, oh, now I feel bad about myself. But at the same time, I kind of glad about it because it inspired me to like achieve higher heights. So I, I don't know. I'm not 100 percent clear on how I feel about this. I, I, I am clear, though, that sex as a thing into and of itself is not a thing that I think should lower the value of a partner. Mm-hmm. If someone has had lots of sex, if anything, that should make them more desirable. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that fact. But um, 
I just, I just feel like you were talking about in the bedroom, you know, you're like you're saying like the older women, yes, they definitely know what they want. They definitely know. Some older women, some older women. Not all, obviously. I, I went out with no, it. Nothing, nothing is universal. Okay. But yeah, in general, I think that older women do know, especially if they've been a little promiscuous. Here's my thing. To me, a, a woman in the bedroom is like an, a clean, empty canvas, you know? Do whatever you want with it. Take, take it to where it needs to be. You know, you gotta you gotta lead the way. Most women aren't gonna take the lead in the bedroom. They just don't do that. That that's not the woman's role in society, as far as that goes. I mean, maybe you know, maybe they're a little more aggressive out in the open or whatever. But they're they're submissive in the, the bedroom in general, and you gotta bring that out of them. You know, that doesn't mean just because they're not haven't done it or maybe don't know that they're into it doesn't mean that that's not something that's in their repertoire and you know it, it, with that being said anybody is pretty much capable of anything as that as far as that goes i mean as long as you're not a dead fish laying there just like waiting for it to be done yeah i can work with you just give me a little something you know and, and, be, and be open i'm not gonna get too crazy i'm not gonna harvey weinstein your ass you know why you gotta i'm not gonna jerk off in the shower while you watch me and have a drink outside you know so it's extra degrading to you why you gotta talk shit about the dead fish that's my favorite move. God, it's it's just it's terrible. I it's love. Terrible. I just love, get involved. Just love, get involved. No, I love. Get put, involved. Squeeze the balls a little bit. Oh, no, you know, no, 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 just, no, no, no. Just do something. Me, me I'm the dead fish. Oh, I love. You're... I love to just go starfish on. A oh, girl, see what she can do. Yeah. Like, come on, baby, show me your moves. Yeah, but but you're not you're not really you're not really dead fish. See, at least you're you're verbally you're leading. Oh no things, no! I know? pretend I'm having a diabetic thing. I'll just be like. Uh, this is what this is what I've done a couple times. I'll just be like, ah, I, I'm really dizzy right now, but I'll stay hard for you, baby. Just do your thing, and then I'll just flop on the bed, <laughs> and then you go limp. You know, you're just like a, I don't go limp. A beacon. Well, not well, not limp in that sense. Yeah, but the rest of me. Yeah, yeah. I the just rest, go, exactly. I go ragdoll, and I pretend I'm having like a, a seizure. Yeah. Sometimes, like she wants a little something, I'll be like, oh, I'll start flopping at the mouth, and that's let's go. <laughs> and then I'll pretend I'm waking up. Did you like the sh- shaking? Where am I? <laughs> what the hell happened? Did I even? Did I even go? I can't remember. I blacked up. Oh man. Yeah, and, and and but I think that thing when it comes to girls with that, I think a lot of that is a comfortability thing. I think if a woman gets comfortable with you after after a while, you know, she knows she can let her guard down. Whatever, blah blah blah. I think they will open up. Yeah, that's the really tricky thing about doing casual dating. It's like, I don't want to, like, we were talking about hookup culture a minute ago, and that's never, that's, I shouldn't say never, that's a strong word. That's not something that appeals to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I understand it at the level of my brain that just wants some fuck. Like, I'm a guy, I can relate. But I, I also know that I don't enjoy those kinds of encounters because the sex is so much better when you have a, a rapport with somebody. If you've established a relationship, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I like you. You're funny. You we're cool together. If you can stop in the middle and talk about something related to what you're doing, not like I don't mean like stop in the middle and be like, Politics. by the way, uh, <laughs> did you say you're Christian? Because I got I, I you know I was I'm not like that. I don't mean that, but just like. <laughs> There's something so cold and clinical about the idea of hookups that is just weird to me. I, um, so wanting to do casual dating is is tricky because it's like on the one hand, there's this girl I saw last week, and wow, win a good date, 
I really liked her. I do not want to get into a relationship. And she hit me up earlier this week. With her or just in general? In general. In In general. In general. Okay. I just got divorced, right? It's textbook bad move to get into a relationship. So I was thinking about it all week. I was like, mm. and she messaged me. It's like, hey, I'm going to this party in a couple weeks. Do you want to come pick me up? And I was like, oh, that's perfect. And I told her, I was like, yeah, that's perfect. I was thinking about you. We'd, we'd agreed on casual. And I was like, I, I wasn't sure how soon would be too soon. Yeah. So this is great. Two weeks is good. But it's tricky. That, that, the whole point is just like, it's a, kind of a minefield. Like, on the one hand, you you want to go out with somebody and establish like a good rapport so that you can have a, a rel- I almost said relationship <laughs> so you can have good sex with them basically <laughs> without a relationship. <laughs> but on the other hand, so it's hey. yeah, it's a, you're threading the needle, man. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's definitely not easy. But I don't know. I'm just I'm just me personally. I'm kind of at the point where it's like I don't. I don't know the the dating. It just seems so tedious, you know. I mean, it's it's something you got to do. Obviously, it's part of the process of meeting anybody of the opposite sex. So, you know, whether you like it or not, you have to deal with it. But it's just I'm at the point now where, you know, my eggs might not be drying up, but I'm still feeling a little bit of that. Uh, how how old are you? I just turned 32 okay. last month, so I'm starting to kind of get that, uh, I'm getting the jitters, you know, it's kind of oh, getting dude. to me like... Yeah, you need to chill out. You've I, got, like, women in their 30s, like, early 30s, they the egg's drying up, you say it glib, but that's a real thing. Like, uh, without intervention, uh, 35 is kind of the cutoff. I and, mean, it's a coin flip at that point. They yeah. don't They don't know that, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, just the chances of miscarriages and deformities go up a lot every year uh past i think 30 um it's been a while but but for guys yeah you're good you're good till like you're 45 or so yeah but But, and but what so what you're feeling might really be something not biological it might be more like something cultural like you know every guy in the movies and tv shows who has a family getting started it is is his your age like 40-year-old guys starting a family is a thing that's happening in Silicon Valley all the time, but it's, it, you don't see that on TV so much. Yeah, that's true. That could be, that could be something that is definitely influencing me, no question. Um, I just, But I don't want to be a fucking geriatric father either, though. You know, I don't want a kid graduating. Oh, God, no. Oh, I'm so proud of you. With my tennis ball on the walker. You really shouldn't be a father, period. Don't oversell you. <laughs> you need to find a nice chubby girl who's like in her late thirties. He's given up on having kids, given up on finding like a really handsome husband who wants to start a family. Is willing to settle. That's mm-hmm. your target demographic, yeah. and you can be swimming in it. Yeah, someone who's willing to play down a league a little bit. You know, really, honestly, I've been doing a lot better on Tinder since I like lowered my <laughs> target range a little bit. <laughs> it's like, a numbers game man it's just like well no it's just like uh i started swiping right more on girls who, okay so uh whew. i i'm i'm not prejudicial in any regard except in the bedroom and i just i there were some varieties of humans i just didn't find very attractive but then i had to face to face with myself i was like why 
I went out with a girl who didn't meet my expectations of a pretty girl. And I had a great time with her. And I was like, okay, if I can go out with an ugly white girl, why can't I go out with a pretty black girl, a pretty Asian girl? Like, I, that's, that's just dumb. I should just, you know, start swiping right. Otherwise, I'm just, you know, I'm closing myself off. And then I thought, well, you know, if I, if I think I, if I'm going to go that far, I might as well also start swiping right on chubbier girls, too. So I've basically just lowered my rating from like 8 to 10 to like 5 through 7. I say, like, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. It's slightly overweight and, and, and anywhere from my age up to 45. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really up to my. <laughs> hey, you got to cast a wide net, man, like you said. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you say that actually because I was watching a video earlier, and um, I've I've never you know I've never really been into uh, black chicks. I mean, I'm just not that really not that attracted to them. But I was watching this video, and they were talking about uh, Christopher Columbus because it was just Columbus Day here, and they were doing like a man on the street thing, and they talk to this this good looking black chick, which you know. Right off the bat, that's like, oh, geez, that's a that's kind of a, a little something goes off for me. And then they talk to her, and she's has a very conservative viewpoint on the topic. And I'm just like, wow, this chick, this chick is amazing. Holy <laughs> cow, she's black, she's hot, and she's conservative. Oh my gosh, I was like, I would do anything to hang out with this girl. Like, oh, it like blew me away. You know, it was like a, it was like a it was like a complete epiphany. And I think maybe that's kind of um, maybe my issue. Maybe a lot of people's issues in general is you get too stuck in what you think you want, and you don't leave yourself open yeah. to what you maybe need. Well, that I guess that's kind of another way of echoing the thing I was saying. Like, I went out with a girl who I just like she had like I don't like small teeth. Like gum, like big gums and small teeth. That's just a weird look to me. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and 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 deep eyes, with like big circles under the eyes and all that. Like, boy, I make you sound awful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I went out with a girl, and it was like in her pictures and stuff. It's like, Neh. but it was, it was a date. I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. wasn't like a, oh I'm gonna try to get laid it was just like ah just go out yeah be fun but I really liked her and then we did have sex and I was like well this is great mm. it's like okay so okay so like in hindsight I was like okay pictures wise and everything she you did not think you you thought you were shooting really low in the barrel but like it turned out to be good so yeah. really just Some... so so in the same sense like yeah I've never I've generally speaking I I, I don't find uh, black girls very attractive. Um, there's just certain attributes that are common in their physiology that I just don't like, like the big lips and uh, the in Asian girls too. The way their their noses tend to be snubbed a little bit. Yeah. And I'm aware that when I think a girl is really pretty, she's exhibiting attributes that are not normally associated with that race like if i see a black girl like halle berry who's really pretty it's like oh well she has really thin lips and a, and a nice straight nose mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm aware of like this level of prejudice in my head and, and this was an interesting date for me because it was like oh i actually went out with a girl who i thought was kind of ugly yeah and i still had a great time yeah so it's like ah i think that be- I, I need to confront this part of me that's I don't know. Dating and prejudice is weird. Like I'm aware of my prejudicial biases. Yeah, and I and I and that's good because we all have them. Yeah, yeah, and it's uncomfortable to talk about, but I'm gonna talk about it. 
but when it comes to dating, it's it feels more personal. It's just like I just yeah. I I've started swiping right on black girls more because I feel like I can get over it. That just yeah. feels worse mm-hmm. than being like, yeah, I try to always book a transgender person on my show because <laughs> I want to be inclusive. Like that that feels like it's a cool thing to say. The former just feels like you're a closet racist. It's like <laughs> closet racist. Oh man, no, it's um, you know. It, it's honestly, it's one of those situations where, like, maybe, if, like, like I said, everybody has their prejudice. That There's no question about that. And, you know, again, just because you're not into something doesn't mean it's necessarily bad or whatnot. But I think more than anything, I think as far as a, a race thing, I think it's just that those people have features that you're attuned to. You know, you like the small lips, like you say, you like the nose that kind of points out. And like you said, you're just talking about groups of people that don't necessarily have those features typically. Doesn't mean those that group of people in general is that way, but I think too when you're talking about like going on a date with somebody that you're like, man, I don't really know her. I think that when you see somebody in person and they interact with you, and especially if she's somebody who maybe wasn't photogenic, I think just the fact of being face to face people kind of plays into her. You, yeah, well, maybe I was maybe I was a little hasty. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to the day when I grow up here and I'm able to just flirt with people in person and get dates that way mm-hmm. instead of online dating because you know i just got divorced right yeah. so it's like online dating is like my safe space yeah like i go to comedy clubs and i'm like i don't know god i want to hit on that girl but yeah. at comedy clubs every girl's on a date or she's a comic so it's like i don't want to do that Not i go every to, girl. well my point is, is that like i talk myself out of it all the time yeah Whereas online dating, it's like, oh, we're all here for the same reason. We're yeah. all here just try, swiping right on people to try to find a date. Yeah, and and so I'm looking forward to getting out of that sphere and into the in person sphere because I'm much more comfortable in the in person sphere. Yeah, uh, and I feel like I bring a lot more charm to the in person sphere too. If you play it right, yeah. I'm not very photogenic. Yeah, I feel like I'm maybe like a a pretty attractive guy yeah but like i don't really have anyone to go around taking photos of me all the time yeah. and i hate doing selfies and uh so yeah i, I mean i don't like dry heave when i see a photo of you and i'm like <laughs> will you please put your pants back on by the way this has been a really awkward conversation for a while now and it's getting worse <laughs> just yeah it's man um god what was i gonna say there i just had something and i lost it you and your fucking You smoked too much weed, dude. I did, I know. That's why I've well, been drinking a shit ton of beers. So. I, yeah, but you look at me. I'm sticking on the topic. We were talking about Facebook. We started with Aristotle. You're mm-hmm. just up in weed high heaven. Yeah. We got your rocks off talking about Dan earlier, and now you're you're pretty relaxed. Yeah, I am. I definitely am. Aaron hates Dan. <laughs> he won't admit it either. It's really weird, ladies and gentlemen. Like he hates Dan a lot, but it's like, oh no, dude, I just like talking shit about him to you. It's like, okay. There's some people that you know, you just you only have a certain window to air your grievances, and at times it's not even with them. You got to air your grievances with other people. You know, there's certain relationships you're just walking on eggshells, and. uh yeah, that's a level two friendship. Well, it's a, it's honestly, it's a lot of, it seems like to me it's family members a lot of times too, mm. you know? Oh my God, I'm so mad at my dad. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I went to take the kids to have lunch with him a couple weeks ago. And so we get to this Chinese restaurant in Monroe. My dad's an old bigot who lives in the woods. I, this is not news 
to me. But, you know, he hasn't seen us in a month or two. We go to this Chinese restaurant and we sit down. We chit-chat for like a minute and the TVs are on all over the place and football games on. Seahawks are playing. And he's like, how come you're not at home watching a football game? Which is a retarded way to start a conversation. We're literally like at a lunch date that we've planned a week out. It's like, I'm at lunch <laughs> with you. That's why I'm not... But We've I know scheduled this for a while now. But I know where he's going. He's trying to like start talking about politics. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, well, you know, I just don't really pay much attention to football. I mean, I'm with my kids most Sundays and Thursdays, and it's like, no, it's not a great time for me. Yeah, I'd call them all inwards. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you mean you'd call them all inwards? Niggers. I'd call them all niggers. Even the white guys? Yeah, they're all niggers. All right, we got to go, Dad. We got to go. I can't I can't have the kids around you if you're going to use that word. I'm sorry. And he just shut his face, and he walked out, and we walked out, and I haven't talked to him in like two weeks. And I'm so fucking mad. It's like, Jesus Christ, what is wrong with this old bigot who lives in the woods? Like, what planet is he on where it's like, uh, I'm just going to say the N-word in front of my seven-year-old granddaughter? Even when talking to people who aren't black... I just, I mean, it. it's cute that he was, like, trying to make a joke about how he'd, how he'd call the white players N-words, too. Yeah. But I don't get the premise. Like, because they also agree that black people shouldn't be brutalized by the police? Like, what? This, that makes them all N-words? Like, it's literally American citizens protesting something that they don't like. And an old, rich, white guy in the woods calling them a racial slur. <laughs> like, there's not a good way to paint it. It's like, I don't know <laughs> what was going through his head. And now my daughter... This has become a joke I tell on stage now. My my daughter's like, Dad, what is that word that got you all upset? It's like, I can't tell you. The, the N-word? Yeah. I mean, nagger? No, just don't say it, okay? And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got to tell her something because if I don't tell her something, then she's going to go tell her friends. Or she's going to Google it. Well, she's seven. My dad my dad said that, that I can't use the N-word, but he used the N-word, and I don't know what. And then they're going to tell their parents, and their parents are going to know that I use the N-word. It's just like, I got, so I got I to nip it in the butt. But like, look, okay, that word, which I'm not going to say because I don't want you to even know it, is a bad word. It's a word that people use because they hate somebody and they're just overcome they just they it's a word that you use when you don't know what else to say because you're just mad and angry and that's all that word means it just means angry angry and it's it's a way of saying that that person is bad and i don't want you to ever use that word because it's just mean and so for like Fucking two weeks now, she's been walking around the house calling her sister the N word. <laughs> it's just been awful. It's like, God damn it! I'm just so mad at my dad. <laughs> see that's see, and then you break that barrier down, you know, and it's like you you hear it, they hear it one time, and then it's like, especially when a little bit of hoopla is made over it, it's it's locked in now. Like you you know whether for well, yeah, good or like, for bad, like t- pulling my kids out of the restaurant. I mean that's a that's a funny joke, right? And it's a joke I wrote about to kind of vent about the fact that my dad did that. My kids had no idea. Like the reality is that yeah. I pulled them out while they were coloring on paper and they're like, "Why are we leaving?" I was like, "Ah, me and dad didn't me and grandpa didn't get along. We got to go." 
and they have no idea. Yeah. But that's been on my mind. It's like, Jesus, I, that's the problem. I don't want my kids to learn that word. Yeah. Like, I'll, they'll hear it eventually, but right now they're seven and three. Yeah. They can live in a world without the word nigger. They can just they can just be couple, in that world a for a years. couple more years. Yeah, at least like, a couple I more would years. like to think that that's possible. God, that's the that's the one word that out of all of them that you cannot say. Like, we actually got cunt back. I'm surprised. I didn't think it was going to happen. We actually got cunt back, but man, the N word. That's that is just I, the one you, know, you cannot say. I don't say it on stage. I'm uncomfortable saying it on into the microphone. Because I know it's on record, but it's like I think I feel like the context makes it a little bit okay. I don't mind. It, I mean, there's plenty of words that we're not allowed to say. Flumblesham, right? No one ever says flumblesham. Why not? Why is that a bad word? If you say it in the middle of a meeting, people look at you weird. What's that? What's all about? It's just it's just a word. If there's a word that people have chosen, not chosen. If there's a word that Decided. triggers mm. a really strong emotional reaction in people based off of their personal history then i will respect the fact that i shouldn't use that word i don't call i don't use the word faggot i don't use the word nigger like these are bad words i am i can see where i've been very privileged in my life and uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tear my hair out over it do i wish i could use the n-word on stage yeah a little bit because that's a it's a funny joke did my dad actually say the phrase, the N-word, before he used the word nigger? Yeah, he did. So it's not really a big embellishment for me to just say the N-word instead and, and not even use it. And and He so, said the N-word before yeah, actually he, saying yeah, it? Yeah, before he actually used it, he was like, I would call them all N-words. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? You Why didn't you just keep it there then? Yeah, I know. That's the part. Like I, I was like, I was entertaining it for a second. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Even the white players? Yeah, they're all niggers. I was like, what the fuck? Dad, okay, bye. See you later. You were addressing him in a reasonable manner still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact that he used the phrase, I mean, it was like, all right, it's the N-word. I mean, it's, my kids ask, well, I'll just put downplay it. But, like, but then he used the word, and I was like, all right, got to go. Um, I love when you see, like, small people or, like, bald people. <laughs> you know, they, like, you say some word they don't like, and they're like, that's our N-word. <laughs> uh no it's not because uh, people will actually say that word they call the n-word ah, the n-word for stop, a reason stop you're stealing someone else's bit it's but it's a good I think, point I think though it's a bill burbit it's it? a good point yeah well fuck off okay i don't need the jesus christ i'm a comedian on a podcast i don't want to be party to you riffing on someone else's material <laughs> you... see that's the problem is you, you somebody gets the premise and no, it's not a premise. You're literally doing someone else's material. I think it's Bill Burr, isn't it? Just like talking about how like you can't say the N word because of fucking. Uh, There's probably four comedians that have done that. Hey, all right. Anyway, just just stop. Your audience members can <laughs> they can look it up, for figure themselves. it out themselves. Yeah. Um, you don't say it, okay, guys. You don't. It's insensitive. I do. It's ag- inappropriate. I do agree with the. Uh, you shouldn't say inappropriate if you're a guy either. It just it sounds really too lame. The word that I've always been con, uh, concerned with is harassment. It's just like oh, it's kind you of, can't say that as a guy either. It's kind of harass, right? Yeah, yeah. like ugh. it's confusing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, midget is. Oh yeah. Uh. So okay, this was interesting to me. I. I was at a show last week, and 
a friend of mine did a bit where he talked about uh, transgendered people, but he used the word transgendered, like as a noun. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a transgender, then blah, blah, blah. And a comedian who followed him a few acts later goes up and starts off with a PSA, just like, hey, if you, uh, you, you guys should know that uh, us transgendered people do not like the phrase trans, and we do not like the phrase transgender. Okay, you can say transgendered person. That's okay. And, and, then, and then blah, 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 blah. And then he started his act. And it was like, oh, he's a transgendered uh, female to male. But like, it's okay, personal. Okay, that's interesting. But it was just like, what the fuck was that PSA about? <laughs> not 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 like, hey, you, I, I understand the PSA about something that upsets you. I understand the motivation. But it's like, is this, right, this is how you're going to start your comedy? She said you a seven you got six minutes, you're gonna do one minute on like proper language. And then on Facebook, on one of the local booking groups, someone posted an ad today that said um something along the lines of if you are a producer booking a show and you want to be more inclusive toward transgendered persons, it's really important for you to spend the time to figure out what their preferred pronouns are. Uh, Google is your friend, and some uh, a friend of mine just posted a comment. She wrote very politely, just like, "Okay, so if I'm, I I really appreciate you bringing this up. If I have a show and there's someone on the show who I know is transgendered, um, is it okay if I just ask them?" And the answer was, "No, <laughs> you should figure it out." Google is your friend. There's only 72 genders, Blake, all right? How hard can it be? And that was my reaction at first, too. And then Emmett Montgomery came out, came along, and, and he was like, um, you know, I do a lot of shows. I work with a lot of people. And Facebook and Google have made it really easy to figure this sort of thing out. Uh, and it's really, when I'm booking a show, it's really not a lot for me to figure out who somebody is and how they might want to refer to themselves. And I was like, Jesus, wow, the difference in tone is just so amazing. Like one person coming up and be like, hey, if you want to be more inclusive of us transgendered people, Google is your friend. Okay, figure it out. And then Emmett's just like, hey, I book a lot of shows too. And uh, it's actually really easy to figure it out. And and you don't have to offend the people that you're bringing onto your show. They do take it really seriously. It's like... So I was really offended at first. I was like, oh, Jesus, I produce a show. I try to be inclusive. Now I have to worry about like whether I'm going to offend somebody if I ask them how I should refer to them. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's me being insensitive. Like, hey, okay, I just want to be really clear. Like, um, should I refer to you as him or her when I'm talking about your work? Like, that's oh, that's that, that's me, Trent. And then Emmett's like, yeah, it's really easy. It's like, oh, yeah, Emmett's cool. Like, I... <laughs> It's like it was funny me to it was funny to me observing my own journey through this issue because at first I was like annoyed and then another white guy in his 30s who who I identify with reframed it for me. It was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's not that big a deal. So it's just like it was just a funny day for me. That was your privilege that was clouding your vision there and making it seem like that was a difficult thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, luckily somebody checked you. They put you in line. But what was it was also interesting, though, just how 
hostile the uh, the original post <laughs> still comes across to me. It's like uh, I'm I'm downplaying downplaying the whole journey and making it seem like it was about me confronting my own privilege and and getting to, uh, getting perspective from another Definitely guy I identify it. with. But the reality is is that the first person who posted who, who the first guy talking at the show even uh, talking about how transgendered people want to be referred to. Um, it just struck me as a little narcissistic or self-centered. It's just That's like, exactly what this whole thing is. This like LGBT I, rights, all this, the transgender. I get offended. The whole thing. I, I get annoyed at having to explain diabetes to people all the time. I've never stood up and been like, I am tired of having to explain diabetes to you people. Google is your friend. Like I, like, like that's basically how it came across to me. It was like, I there are many of us who are transgendered persons, and we have ways that we want you to prefer. We prefer you speak to it. Well, can we ask you what those are? No. All right. We've been. I'm tired of explaining. That's how he said it. I am tired of explaining it over and over again. Google's your friend. Like, could you imagine me like going up the? Like, all right. Look, you guys. The party is great. <laughs> But cake and Coke and no Diet Coke, I am tired of explaining diabetes to you people. Well, what should we have next time? No. I'm tired of explaining this over and over again. Go to Google and figure out how to accommodate me for your party. It's like, that's how it sounded to me. And it's just like, oh that's my God. That's what it is, though. That's what it is. And it's like this coddling, like, hey, you need to know exactly what I need in my, feel- in my situation with who cares? You're just a person. Why are you making this all about you? That what? was the part that really annoyed me the most was the way the, the post on Facebook started was like, for those of you who are trying to be more inclusive of transgendered people in your shows, that that was the address was, if you're one of those who's trying to be more inclusive of transgendered people, it's like, I'm not trying to be more inclusive. I just book people I think are funny yeah, and I don't discriminate based off of whether they used to be something or else or or they've re-identified themselves i don't if you're a black guy and you tell me you're a white woman fine i if i think you're funny you're gonna get a spot so like do i have to worry about this shit and that's the thing is like i do i i have to like uh, i'm not trying to be more inclusive but if i book somebody who i happen to know is transgendered then now I have this thing in the back of my mind of like, okay, I better do some research to figure out how to refer to them so I don't offend them. Because if I ask them directly, apparently that's rude. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what this amounts to at the end of the day? Well, I'm not going to fucking book any transgender people. This is too much of a goddamn headache, you know? Well, that was, again... There's not that many funny ones of them anyway. Nah, I mean, that's... Again, that is where I was kind of going at, at one point. It was like, boy, it's a meritocracy. Is, this is annoying. And then I read Emmett's post and he was just basically like, yeah, it's really not that big a deal. You just go on Facebook and like read for 30 seconds and you can figure it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's really not that big a deal. Yeah. And then you find which ones are and you don't book them. <laughs> no, I, it's a meritocracy. I, I actually uh, at that that person I talked about at that show, he had a great set. I went up to him afterward and I was like, hey, man, that was really good. You were really funny because I wanted him to know who I was because I'll probably ask him to come to my show that I produce. Mm-hmm. He's like, so it's, it's 
I don't want to. I don't want on the record just be like make it sound like I'm not going to book transgendered people or yeah. anything about any of this. This is really just about like it's interesting to me that there's this community that has spokespeople. Maybe not the community as a whole, but some spokespeople who are very. Sp- specifically aggressive about trying to control the speech of other people about them. Yeah. Whereas I have a disability and I don't really see anyone in my community telling people they should just Google it. Like, yes, it's exhausting having to explain something over and over again to people, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it their problem to figure out. Like they have to, otherwise that's alienating them. Exactly. And who's going to want to be around you at that point? You're just, you're just a fucking problem to have to deal with. But honestly, this is, this is going to sound really rude, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I'm kind of buzzed up right now. I feel like like 70% of the, um, the transgender comedians that I've seen perform, I feel like a vast majority of the material is about them being transgender and them going through these struggles and doing all this stuff. And then I just want to, I just think to myself, did you chop your dick off just so you can have a comedy career? Like this, is this all you got? Really? This is the whole thing right here. Like, holy shit, man. Well, um, I would, I would agree with you, but I would qualify it by saying that I haven't seen that many. And I would ask you whether you've seen that many. I well, mean, I said 70%. Yeah. I'm that, saying... That's like, what, one of two? I mean, how many have you seen? I'm saying probably like three of four. Yeah, I've seen... Three of four. I've seen two transgender comics I know. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, the one I saw last week was way funnier than the one I've seen for many years. I was like, yeah, all right, so now... Shut up. No, I'm not <laughs> is great. I... And there's probably other transgendered people I've seen on stage who are really good. There's lots of people from lots of different varieties of life who are very funny, and they do write their material focused off of uh, some of the main aspects of what's made their life difficult. Yeah, And I don't fault any of them for doing it, but I do feel like people tend to do that, and it becomes a handicap. Yeah, uh, I don't do jokes about diabetes because I don't want to get trapped into diabetes humor. Um, I know lots of black comics who I who I respect a lot and who are really funny, who really just do a lot of jokes about race. And I don't think they're as funny as guys like Thomas Nichols who are just making jokes. They're just jokes. They're just talking about shit that's funny. And, you know, sometimes he talks about race, but sometimes he's just talking about fucking wanting not to die poor. <laughs> so I think the best uh, transgender comedian I saw was... Amanda Cox. I know the name. I don't remember who that is. Amanda Cox. Or what was it Michelle? No, it wasn't Michelle's dick. No, it was Amanda Amanda Cox. Amanda Cox. Yeah, it was it, she and she was terrible actually. Well, I think she identified as a she at that point, but oh, I got it, a piece of it. It was just like, oh God, what do you got here? Yeah. Honestly, it's fine, man. Honestly, uh we're gonna wrap this thing up here. We're we're getting a little long in the tooth here, and honestly, I got a little bit more buzzed up than uh, I thought I did originally. So, but uh, Blake Kiltoff, always a pleasure to have you in the house, man. It's uh, we always have some good laughs, get in there deep, uh, do the whole damn thing. But appreciate you being here, and appreciate you guys being here with us as well uh, on another episode of Earful in the Emerald City. 
Uh, I got to look the numbers up here. I think we're 94. I think 94. That was a good year, by the way. Uh, a lot of good things happened that year. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hanging around with us. Um, sorry, uh, the last couple of weeks were crazy. I, you know, I talked about it in the intro, but some things going on. We're going to work on it, guys, but we're still here. You know, we're still going, doing the best we can, and uh, we're going to keep uh, providing you with hopefully these entertaining episodes that you guys join and appreciate because we definitely like doing it. So thank you guys for tuning in. Always appreciate having you here and uh, look forward to hanging out and spending some time with you guys next week. Thanks. <laughs>